0: What were we just saying? I don't know, it can't be that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of George Ezra and Friends, the podcast. My name is George Ezra, I'm a musician, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter. Um, I released my first music around four years ago and I've been busy with it ever since. And this week I'm joined by the lovely Ben Thatcher, drummer of Royal Blood. Um, And yeah, all-round good guy, I think it's fair to say. Ben very kindly invited me into his hotel room uh, in London here when the guys were headlining Alexandra Palace and uh, it was amazing. We sat. I should say Ben is one of the first people I met in music. In fact, my earliest memory of him was at Maida Vale, I was invited to do a session for the BBC, I must have been about 18 or 19, and uh, the guy said, "Okay, you're going to be sharing a dressing room with royal blood, and I thought, "Okay, brilliant, cool. I walked into said room, and Ben was sat with his top off at a desk, staring, stone-cold stare at the door, waiting for me to walk in, and I didn't know what to say. I was... Quite frankly, Ben, if you're listening, I was intimidated. (laughs) Um, And yes, me and Ben, we bump into each other all over the place, festivals and shows. Uh, He's a lovely guy, and it was a really interesting conversation. I absolutely loved it. As always, actually, before we get going, there might be one or two naughty words in this podcast, Uh, maybe a bit of rude language, if you have got kids around, just a heads up. Anyway, here we go, Ben Thatcher.
1: Here we go, we're rolling.
0: So here we are, we're at, is this your go-to hotel? Yeah, when I stay in London. Should I not say what it is? You can say whatever you want. We're at it's the Ace podcast. Hotel. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know if it would be like, you're gonna have some mental in the next time you're in London. Yeah, we have crowds of people, yeah. cr- students. I know the Ace Hotel mainly from a Bon song. Oh yeah. He Staying at
1: the Ace yeah. Hotel? I
0: found like that was a weird reference there. Yeah. I guess he, he doesn't
1: stay here anymore because of that. <laughs> yeah, he needs to rely now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've caught you on day two of three nights at Alexandra Palace.
1: Yeah. Don't you hate the abbreviation Ali Pali as well? It's like pudding, calling it pud pud.
0: I grew up hearing it as Ali Pali, and so that's what I thought. I thought they were two different things. I thought Alexandra Palace and Ali Pally were two different things. Yeah. Um, Alexandra
1: Palace Sounds a lot nicer Doesn't it Sounds a lot more legit Yeah Yeah
0: And it essentially means You're doing 30,000 yeah. Tickets in one city Yeah Which is insane Yeah Was there a conversation Of should we do Three nights At a smaller place Or one night At a bigger place
1: Yeah I think there was I think um, I don't really remember I think it was At Wembley Arena Or something like that um, Was on the class. But Queens are playing There tonight uh, So it's a uh, London's going to be full of rock and roll.
0: Rock and roll, yeah, it's good. Future Islands yeah. are in Three Nights at Brixton. I heard a Depeche motor plane tomorrow really? as well. Yeah, somewhere, yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. We've never done shows this big, mm. so it's very bizarre for us to look out and be like, what is going on here?
0: You've done shows this big but not your own.
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. We've been on the road with... Like Guns N' Roses or Foo Fighters and people like that. So it's like we're used to big crowds, but not just coming like not with our own production, not coming just to see us, which is a total different ball game, I think.
0: There's an element of when you're supporting that you can't lose. Either the people there don't know you and will like you at the end, yeah. Don't know you and won't like you at the end. <laughs> yeah. Know you, I yeah. never <laughs> liked you. Know? Yeah. No, but you can't, it's not yeah. a night, it's just a free audience, it's that's not it. a night about yeah.
1: you No, that's true, and I guess the pressure's off in in that sense, but also, it's like a festival I guess where those, You never know, you know, the people have not turned up to see you especially, or some have But um, yeah, it's all about playing playing your A game and uh, seeing what happens you can only do what you're going to do, can't you?
0: either or i Mm. guess the difference is with your headline show you'll have a bit more of a production
1: yeah it's like a spaceship at the moment is it yeah it's ridiculous got like this moving screen above us it's it's the kind of thing where halfway through the show me and mike look at each other and just start laughing we're like what are we doing well there's lasers everywhere i've got a gong behind me which sometimes i set a light (laughs) It's just like It's a very spinal tap Some of it But it's a lot of fun
0: It must just be moments Like how are we Getting away with this Mm. Who okayed this
1: That's it That's it It's brilliant
0: I mean supporting Foo Fighters Must be One of those things That's If not a direct Childhood dream Something that is You know Bucket list Yeah definitely I think
1: Support slots are weird Anyway Because it's not your fans But With bands like The Foo Fighters You know They pick their support acts and they really kind of fit with the bill so yeah being on tour with them that was in 2015 was a lot of fun like it's just crazy you know playing to all those um, people in like stadiums in America and all these like yeah baseball stadiums um, but then this year we've been on tour with Queens of the Stone Age in America which you would think would be quite similar but it's they're like the Total opposite In what sense? I think um, Queens If I was still on the road with Queens I think I would be I would die
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what you were going to say then
1: Because I don't know I think Their mentality is playing They play so well But they get like They can party hard as well So every night Like we would Play a show And then it would be a massive party And would be out all night and with foods, it wasn't quite like that. Um, but yes, yeah, and in, it's insane.
0: I'm envious of people that can party and tour, you know.
1: But it's every night, even on days off, they would like call us, like, "Where are you? Meet us in the hotel bar." Like, and we'd be like, "It's one in the afternoon."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I got to a point now where I pick my nights wisely. It's kind of like, okay, I've got a day off tomorrow, and we're traveling all day. Yeah, you know, well, you've got a different things. You've got to sing. As well, there um, is an element of yeah. If if I can't sing, the show doesn't. Yeah, that's it. It's gone. Well, it's going to be a really niche George Ezra show if it's just yeah. like instrumental kind of <laughs> user-friendly kind of <laughs> guitar music. Put some words up on the screen yeah, it with was a like bouncing a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there anything supporting? I know you said they're different Foos and queens, but was there? Anything you learn from them?
1: Yeah. So, um, so on the um, Foo's Run, I, I learned how much, like, just watching them play every night. They fucking love music. Like Taylor Hawkins would come in, and he would be wearing his like little board shorts and his his vest. And he'd be like, so Californian. Like, hey, hey! And he would come. and um, They'd do their sound check. Actually, it would probably just be him sound checking. All the other band are quite quite chilled out and and then he would go and sound check on my drums and then he would go they have a a rehearsal room backstage and he' would just be in there on his own just like going for it be like sweating and then uh then he would go and play a three hour show and that would happen every single day with him so watching Taylor play was like oh my gosh and then obviously dave he's quite in demand, you know. Everyone wants to meet Dave Grohl. Everyone wants to talk to Dave Grohl. So, in every city, he's like, yeah, such a pressure on him, I guess. But he he always had time to come do some shots with us before we went on. And so, yeah, they're they're good guys. Um, with Queens, they're they're a real rock and roll band. Like, there's there's no one like them. I would look at them just before they go on stage, and you never know what mood they're in, what like. And they'll just go on and play like perfectly And it'll be like insane The energy he has Because Dave I think jo- the, the, the difference between Josh uh, Homie and, and Dave Is Dave's like really like Come on we're all together in this Where Josh is a bit more sly He's a bit more like Chilled out on stage He doesn't like shout and at the crowd And get them hyped up like that A bit more sexy <laughs>
0: Well, Dave Grohl is famously the nicest man in rock and roll, isn't he? Yeah. I, do you know what? I, I did, we did a mad cool festival this year mm-hmm. in Madrid and they were headlining our day and they had their rehearsal room set up yeah. and I didn't know about it. And then all of a sudden I heard this like tight rock band playing like ZZ Top tunes and things and I was going, where is that? Who is that? And then yeah. someone was like, well, it's the Foos, isn't it? And yeah. apparently Dave was on drums. We couldn't see them, but I just I felt embarrassed that I would never think to do that. Well, we've got a practice room now,
1: wherever we go. Cause Since then? Since then, yeah. Well, it, you know, at the beginning, you didn't have the uh, the facilities to do that. But now we're playing bigger venues. We've got, like, little rooms where we can go and put, like, a practice kit up and an amp. And we we play for about two or three songs before we go on stage. So we're just, like, warmed up, hyped up and... It's really helpful, I think, and especially if you're writing, if you're on the road, we couldn't, you can't do it without your instruments, you know, and you, you can't really do it in a sound check because so you've got to, you know, have you've got your support bands that you've got to support and uh, have them on stage, let them have a sound check, and so when you're writing, that can take time. So we have yeah a little rehearsal room, we can do that now.
0: And what does? writing look like for Royal Blood like is it this is something I really wanted to ask you how often does it happen where you start a song just from a rhythm from you just the vibe on the drums
1: yeah there's a, a good deal of, of songs that do that um they all come from different places really they could come from the lyric or um like Only Lie and I Love You came from just Mike's um notes he just wrote that I think it was just a such a catchy little hook um but it normally starts with Mike coming up with some ideas because, obviously, I'm just doing the, the, the backbone. And so all the melody and, and stuff has to come from him. So, yeah, he'll he'll start writing. He writes all the lyrics as well. But, they, yeah, like stuff like Out of the Black would come from the drums. Yeah, well, I think the next lot of writing will be really different. The more you write, the better you get at it and the different directions you can go. And, you know, we've kind of done the... 442 rock thing now which you know has developed in our latest album where you know we've now got keys and harmonies and and things like that going on so live we have uh, two girls who who sing with us
0: oh nice which is really cool I I did toy with the idea of opening the conversation with how do you make such a big sound? Just yeah, the two of you. I'm glad you did. You know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see your reaction if you didn't yeah. fuck off, George. Um There was an element on the first one which I loved your first record. And you kind of go like, it's so exciting to see where they take this. And it's subtle, still, the backing vocals. The key sounds are wicked. Yeah. I feel like these days, Media and music move so quickly, whereas bands could release records that sounded quite similar back to back. Before, it feels like I feel like people are less willing to. It, people want to hear how people are going to shake it up and yeah. do it differently.
1: Like on the first record, it was bass, drums, vocal. That's it. You know, that's what we can do. The second one, we're like, wait a second,
0: <laughs> we
1: we can do this as well. And. Like live, it's important for us because we're a live band, really. You know, you're in the studio for a couple of months, but you're going to be playing those songs for you, God knows how long. Um, so it's really important that we can put it off live. So I have these... Um, we don't play to tracks or click either. So I have these little triggers which do some of the keys parts, which I'm like tap dancing now. You, yeah. No one really gets to... See that part of it, but it's really exciting for me to to do. Um, but yeah, I think as we're right the second one, we we're like, you know what? There's no rules with this, and we can do whatever we want to do. So yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the third one?
0: I do feel for you having all the triggers. Oh, it's
1: great. Do you it's enjoy a it? Fun, yeah. I didn't think I'd like it, but um, it puts a lot of risk on things because they don't always work either. I was going to
0: say, how often do you miss them? As oh, well? all
1: the time. And or I hit the wrong one, because I have four, and they all do different things. They're all like around the kit. But I think that's the beauty of live music sometimes is the mistakes, because all of a sudden the crowd are like, "Oh, it's not so like regimented and like, this is the song, this is it." And what's great for us is, because there's only two of us, we just bounce off each other, and if we haven't got any thing that we need to like a track that we need to stick to it's like the songs can go anywhere which makes it exciting for us and for the crowd
0: something i've really enjoyed since starting this podcast is everyone i'm talking to it kind of feels like a safe haven to talk about the pros and the cons of touring the kind of bits that you love and the bits that you don't love yeah of all the people i'm going to talk to i feel like i'm not going to find another person that is as positive all-round about touring? Like, you seem just to love it. Is there ever a point where you're like, I just need two days at home?
1: All the time. I miss my family so much when I'm on the road. I mean, just this year, I've missed my best friend's wedding, my niece's wedding, all, like, all the birthdays, births of, like, kids who... Love, of uh, my best friends and stuff like that. And that's really difficult, and you have days like that, but then... It is a sacrifice, I think, for me to do one of the greatest jobs in the world. And I fucking love it. You know, to be playing music that I've written to fans who want to come and see it every night and get to tour the world, that that doesn't happen to a lot of people. And so I just have to remember that at those times. Of course, you know, it's life, it's going to suck, but it's such a great opportunity that I would, would never swap for anything. Um, and, you know, when you get to go home, you you know, it's amazing. You get to see all your mates and who you haven't seen for, like, years or whatever and your family. And that those moments mean more than, you know, than you can imagine. I mean, it's different for everybody. I think some people do find it really hard, you know. And that's just down to your personality and, and what actually you want because you can love music and but hate touring. But I think definitely for my situation, we're such a touring live band that I would definitely be in the wrong job if I, if I didn't like doing that. And, there, <laughs> and there's something that I'd have to, you know, if you're not gonna do it, there's like thousands of other people who would love that opportunity to, to do it. So yes, yeah, so I would never take that for granted. I know. What
0: were you doing before Royal Blood?
1: I was pretty settled. I had a, I had a wife, yeah, at the time. Um, who you know, things kind of just fell apart when, unfortunately, when I was on tour, because I was just away all the time. I wasn't, I couldn't be there, so it was kind of sucked. Uh, I used to work in a bar. I used to teach drums at school, and I used to play in a wedding bands, function bands which I loved because I got to, you know, got to drum for a living again. So, yeah, it was it was amazing, but I think to have the opportunity to be creative and, um, you know, and for that, kind of the stars aligned for us with, you know, management, publishing, record deal and all of that, and it all happened so quickly that that you just get taken away into your own little world. I mean, you totally understand it, and like we were saying earlier, you don't realise what's going on necessarily at the time, but you just have to live it. And I think, yeah, I learnt so much just doing this um, over the last, you know, three years or four years. of. And you you do change as a person, but actually, not maybe not as a person, but your life just changes, so you experience new things. You know, I've, I would never go to Japan, for instance, and see what's going on there, and that changes you because you see, wait a minute, this is this culture is totally crazy. <laughs> and like middle America when you're there, and you're like, what is going on here? It's not just in the films.
0: People no, it is. It's, it's, life. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it makes you more culturally aware of what's going on in the world, and but also not because you're living in your own little bubble where you're in a tour bus, you're living in a bus every day, and you're like, Waking up and you have no idea where you are, what day it is, or, you know, you're just focusing on a show, which is a bizarre life, and, like, your, uh, your cares and thoughts are just totally different, you know, you're not thinking about, oh, there's loads of washing up to do when I get home, you're thinking about, you know, oh, there's loads of fans waiting outside for me to have photographs with them, it's like, <laughs> that's a bizarre thing to, you know, think about, I think.
0: And what were, like, so you're, you know, you're teaching drums, uh, you're playing in a function band, and then is there, like, a conversation between you and Mike? Is there a pint? Is there a... Were you already m- friends?
1: Yeah, we've, we've been in loads of bands together. Mike, we are in, like, function bands together. We'd known each other for, yeah, since we were, like, 17 years old. And, um, yeah, we just... I think it was... When we stopped caring and were like, you know what, let's just do this for fun now, is when it all just happened for us and we were like, we didn't expect this. It's kind of like a joke. It's gone way too far and we're just carrying it on. Just <laughs> like we don't know what we're doing, really. That's a
0: beautiful thing, though, that you, like, when you stopped trying t- yeah. too hard, that's when it happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it happens, like, in so many different ways to people, doesn't it? But for us, it was just, see how it goes. <laughs>
0: halftime break. What a guy. What a lovely conversation. Um, tell you what though, he wants to try touring with George Ezra because that, my friends, that is rock and roll. So while you're here, I just wanted to remind you that you can pre-order my new album Staying at Tamara's now. You can head over to georgeezra.com where you will find a whole load of different styles. You can get a picture disc, a pink vinyl there's a signed vinyl a signed cd a cassette or if you've got loads of friends you can buy all of them there's like a bungle version um, and all of it of course every one that you buy you get a download code so that you can download the album as well and it just makes a huge difference and means a lot to me the album's called Staying at Tamara's. Uh, it's a collection of songs that are very close to me, songs about escaping and dreaming and taking yourself away, which I think we could all do with a little bit of. Uh, yeah, so that's over at georgeesver.com. But without further ado, let's jump back into the conversation with Mr. Ben Thatcher. You touched on earlier that you're now on tour, you have two singers with you. Mm-hmm. Are they on stage? Yes. Nice. They look
1: like a Catwoman. <laughs> and they're kind of like silhouetted behind us. Um, but they, it just makes us, instead of having like vocals on track and stuff, it's just so cool to have, have that live and has a different feel to it. Um, it's also nice having girls on tour with us in the, in the sense that like touring is so, so male-dominated that actually... It just changes the the atmosphere of the camp completely.
0: I love it having a yeah. tour with my sister everywhere we go. Brilliant! And we've just got Vicky on trumpet, and it's just like it's nicer. It it's is just better, and yeah. I agree. So, what can I expect? You t- you touched on the like production and the lasers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what can yeah. I expect? Because I'm going to come and see you tonight. Yeah. Um, is there like a mix of the first and the second record? We pretty
1: much play the whole of both of them. I think there's. Maybe three songs that we don't play. Yeah, it's like a hour and thirty, forty-minute set, which is the longest we've ever played. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. We have uh, some a great crew with us who have kind of designed this stage set, which is hilarious. Why it's, is it funny? It's just funny. It's just like like coming from you know you know where you start writing songs. It could be like in a a room like this, and then to play them. Uh, you know in the, these arenas you'd look at each other and you're like what has happened like, look at us it's <laughs> like, that when you're in your little
0: room yes, and working yeah. on something <laughs> yeah.
1: and there's an ego ramp now and there's <laughs> like, what are we doing amazing yeah but you just realise how much fun it is and that's
0: and the songs that you're you said there's like three songs that you're missing out give or take but why have those three not made the cut is it just you've outgrown them or
1: no I think we just got a bit bored playing them and I think you know when we do play them it's a nice little change in the set but our set flows so well we feel now that those songs aren't necessarily needed we might change it up today you know there's no rules on keeping a set list uh, but we feel like you know, it's putting on a show as well and it's giving the audience something that they really can go away th- feeling great about and I think we've we've touched on that with what we're doing at the moment.
0: I, yeah, I get that as soon as I've nailed as soon as we've nailed the set list, that's it for the. Yeah for me. Because I'm like, this is how it flows best. Yeah. yeah. And I had it especially in America, you'd get people coming to more than one show in different states and stuff. And they'd be like, it's the same. And it, eventually, it becomes very similar chat between each song, because I'm not a stand-up comic. So when I've got the story that introduces yeah. the song...
1: Well, it's a performance.
0: It's a show. But you get people like, it's exactly the same. And I'm like, well, 99.9% yeah. of the people in this room don't know that. so it's, <laughs> yeah. don't, I'm but ruining it's, it. <laughs> it's like going to a West End
1: show every night and being like, oh, it's the same every night, <laughs> it's the same story. Yeah. It's like, well, of course it is, it's a show, it's, yeah. it's a performance. Isn't it like, It's like listening to an album and being like, oh, the track listing's the same.
0: <laughs> it's like, well, it's not going to change because that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's how it works best, it's funny. Yeah. Is there ever gigs where you get off and you know you've had a blinder and Mike hasn't had his oh, best yeah. show or vice versa? Yeah,
1: but I think we both, knowing that we both can carry each other through that, yeah, he he could come. We've both got talkback mics, and he would come to me and like be like, "I'm all out of ideas of how to get this crowd going," and so then I would like get up and get them clapping or something like that. And he'd like I think that's how we work together really well. And it's always the last four songs where we're like we've got four tricks left here we go and we really like push it hard so everyone's like standing up
0: and going wild by the end you do feel so you like you in particular feel like a showman like I remember there was the cymbal and the beer was yeah, like a party yeah. you are saying about setting the gong on fire yeah. w- was that something that came natural to you naturally or is it something that you, like with the bigger audiences you're like I can play up to this Like yeah I
1: think you grow with your the venues and the audience with you know all that stuff where you know I knew I was we are doing an arena tour, and I was like, I need a gong. <laughs> <laughs> and they are like, oh, here we go. Like, my drum tech was like, oh, for goodness sake. No, you don't. You're, you're never going to hit it. And I was like, if I have a gong, I'll, I'll hit it. <laughs> How do you set it on fire? So, and, well, what happened was in the Europe part of this tour, I was hitting this, this gong with this mallet, and every time I did it, I was like... I should set this mallet on fire and hit it with fire. That's so you've genius. got like paraffin or... Yeah, so I had fire training <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you did bit- it legit, it's <laughs> yeah, all about yeah, yeah, it has to be. Um, health and safety and all that. So yeah, I w- proper went for this fire training and uh, they showed me how to do it. And we don't do it that often. Like it's, it's a special occasion when I light it on fire because actually the song we do it on is quite a serious song and... Uh, just sometimes, it just doesn't work with us. But when we're drunk, <laughs> there's nothing more fun than getting gone with a fire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I think we'll do it tonight. We'll see. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel like you're tied into that yeah. now. I won't like leave. Like, you didn't set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit uh, Spinal Tap, though. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that. Sometimes something that is expected of bands is a certain attitude or a certain bravado. Um, and I think it's cool. Like, I think it, it, yeah. it can help. And I think you guys do a good job of like, it feels like you mean business, but not in a you know, pretentious way. Yeah. Do you have dreams of where you want the band to go? Are you happy with where it's at? Do you want it to be bigger? Do you want it to be. It's, yeah, strange you say it because, like,
1: at the moment, playing these venues feels that like they're too big. It's really hard to connect with a crowd that big. And it's probably just because we're not used to it. But um yeah, we're just like trying to find our feet with with all that stuff. Because uh, we're used to rock music being in your face and everyone, this big ball of energy. So where you can see everybody and connect with people where I couldn't even see the back of the Birmingham Marina. I was like, is there people up there? I have no idea. So that's, that's difficult. I don't really know where I see it all going but I think you just take every day as it comes and it's really important just to enjoy yourself and enjoy. As soon as you don't, you've got to question it and be like, okay, why don't we feel this way anymore? So, yeah, until then.
0: It's really, it's nice to hear you say that.
1: But you don't know that until you've played a really big venue and so this is the first time we've ever played this size. And you might get used to it. You might, you know, feel differently after like the seventh time you've done it. I don't know. You just yeah,
0: just take it every day as it comes. And yeah, but it, like, it's just nice to hear you talk about like for the fans as much as you to make it personal. You you might even find yourself the next tour you do of the UK instead of doing three shows at Ali Pally, <laughs> <laughs> you might do five shows at a Brixton. Yeah.
1: Exactly, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's nice to have a progression, definitely with what you do. So we did Brixton, and it was like, well, where, where next? Where are we going to do next? And you, I guess you're, we're naive to it still. We still don't know, you know, how big of venues we can play. And it is exciting to see it grow because, like, even the production grows because when you're playing a bigger venue, you've got a really put on a show and really spend the money and um, you know you want to give the crowd something to go away from thinking that was amazing like we had a brilliant time you know for that hour I want or hour and a half or I want everyone to forget everything that's going on at home, I don't want, you know, that's why we're, the whole phone thing's a big thing with us because if you are still on your phone and stuff you can still see things coming up and text messages and for that hour I want everyone to forget that Donald Trump's the president, I want them to forget that their you know uncle's really ill or something like that and just be in that moment and have a great time because there's plenty of time to worry about all those other things, isn't there so just taking away, I think that's why I like Things like going to the cinema is brilliant because you're so focused on something that you don't realise that the outside world's happening, and I think that's really important for people.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a nice way to approach touring. Yeah, as like an antidote to the world going on. That's it. Do you you touched on people using phones at gigs? Do you say anything before you get um, going?
1: No, we don't. Mike sometimes, if it's like really like. Relentless and someone's just Up in the front row just like this With an iPad or something Like torch on and stuff like that He'll, he'll say something But uh, recently we've had a lot of things With people getting their phones stolen
0: I was going to say stuff. So this outs me as a middle aged man already But yeah. I was listening to Radio 4 the other night Cooking a bit of grub yeah. And uh, it was like there's been One of those like Radio 4 voices There's been cases of stolen phones At concerts and you it, it was so bizarre Hearing it But it was like Rock band Royal blood And it was in Birmingham They were talking yeah. about Was it Birmingham? It's happened at every single one of our shows So Fuck Um
1: They Did the find my iPhone thing a, a few people have like I think it was like I don't know how many people But they did the find my iPhone thing And there was a Guy who had two In a pub And they went to the pub And it turns out He had like Fifty four phones Or something like that And he got caught we're like Yes fucking got caught, dickhead. Um, but it's, it's a horrible thing, like, to to have people, like, going to a show just to do that. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? It, like, even last night,
0: 16 were found off some guy. But why are you being targeted? Is, is this happening across all I think touring?
1: I think so. It can't just be us. It can't, you know... It'd
0: be weird if it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, um... Uh, like even on that We've got these screens which, you know, saying, you know, look after your stuff and that's all you can really do, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's just being aware of people being not very nice.
0: How do you and Mike approach conversations? Is it very much a coalition of thoughts? Is it, you know, when it comes to artwork and things like that, is that, like, sit down, what do we want to do or, or is one of you more opinionated than the other? Yeah,
1: I think um, you... You have to work as a team, and you both have different ideas on things. And but there's a huge trust I think between us, which you know, if if I really felt strongly for something, he would, uh, or I would like um revise it and be like, why do you feel like that about this? I don't feel the same, or I do feel the same. And actually, most of the time we we do agree because we both have a vision which is quite similar. But there's always the the odd thing that we're like. But we find that the things that work best are things that we both agree on. And we're like, that's how the song should go. That's where we should go with it. That's really cool. And I think we've just learned through time that it's, it works best that way.
0: That's really interesting that you can look back on things where one of you has really pushed for, you know, or stuck their head above yeah. the water and go, I really fit. But you can say that on a whole, the bits where you've agreed... Yeah. Well, some
1: of the bits that someone's been like, no, this is really, really good. Trust me, this is really, really good. And I've like, I, I've been like, I'm not, I'm really not sure. That has come out to be some things that I'm, I'm like, I'm so pleased I trusted you in this because it's brilliant, and I just didn't see it at first. And I think there's there's something really powerful about letting someone else be like, show you something, and. Yeah, and and just not be scared of being wrong.
0: <laughs> Are you talking predominantly about writing there? About writing, about...
1: Yeah, even about, like, other people's music. You know, sometimes you don't hear something or don't see something until you see them live, and you're like, oh, I get it now. Um, but, yeah, lots of different things.
0: As a band, it's just the two of you, and that's a really tight-knit... You know, relationship yeah. How do you then find inviting producers in particular into the mix? Is that, uh, yeah, how do you go yeah, about that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question It's really hard for us to do that Because we have such a focused vision on what we want to do Especially for the second Because we didn't really realise we were writing an album on the first one It was demos and just like three or four songs here and there That we were doing with um, a guy called Tom Dalgetty Who's a friend of ours who we recorded with before and he just kind of co-produced it with us. So when it was down to, like, well, you have the pick of producers now, we're like, what does they do? <laughs> like, because we knew exactly what we wanted to do. But um, we met this guy called Jolien, Jolien Thomas, who uh, kind of understood what we want where we wanted to go with it. And, yeah, he, he just pushed us in directions that we uh, weren't comfortable in going at the start and opened up things but, um, again, it was co-produced, you know, because we, we knew what we wanted to do um, and would overrule him in a few situations. But, again, thinking about this next one, we don't know where we want to go with it. And so if we want to go really electronic or something, or if we want to go really hip-hop, or who do, we, who do we get to produce it? And you go to the people who do that best. Yeah, it's an interesting one.
0: Drums in the studio can be the thing that you can spend hours yeah. getting particular sounds. Do you on some songs do you really hone in on? I want this snare sound, or, and some songs you're just like just I just want a kit with a mic in front of it. That's
1: it. Yeah, it's it, it depends on the song. And um, just when when it comes to like micing, I'm just like mic everything. The mic, the room might have like, and then we can just choose because if I do a great drum take on something that has a ball of energy in it. Then we might just need one mic, but we can just turn all the others off. But if it's something that is, we need closer and more of a, you know, a particular sound. Then we've got that as well. So yeah, it's different for each song. I think for me though, it's all about the performance, and it's about just capturing that moment because your n- perfection is not a thing in music. It's all about those little slip-ups and the little bits of feel about it which make it great, I think.
0: Have you ever kind of hired in a particular drum?
1: No, but at the studio we were um, we recorded at, it was called ICP and it's in Brussels and it's like a Willy Wonka, like, yeah, it's like equipment, everything that you need is there, like loads of drum kits... All different styles and yeah, so I loved it. I had I made like this fucking great big drum kit around me and I was just lo- like, but it actually came to actually I just want to use my one <laughs> in the end. It's just way more simple.
0: How did you land on Brussels?
1: What? Um, the guy Jolien, said he'd worked there before and he was like, "You've got to try out the studio." And we were like, "Yeah, great." Was you know we don't really we can record anywhere nowadays. You can record in your bedroom, and as as long as there's um a vibe, I guess it's a horrible word, but um it doesn't really matter anymore. But this place had lots of great equipment and a swimming pool.
0: A swimming pool, <laughs> yeah,
1: which had a uh, a Gretsch Vulcan, White Vulcan, like in the tiles. Amazing. brilliant, yeah.
0: Don't tell me that. Now <laughs> I'm going to be like, darling, I don't record unless there's a swimming pool. It's, these things kind of blur a little bit, but if you can pinpoint the day that you started recording, mm-hmm. all in all, how long were you recording the second record for?
1: Uh, probably two months. Yeah, we started in this time last year and finished end of January, we went, yeah, we finished it.
0: In the grand scheme of things,
1: that's pretty... Speedy. Yeah, I think, well, for me, that dragged. I didn't want to be in Brussels. I hated it there. It was cold and, like, the food was disgusting and I didn't know, I couldn't speak anyone's language and so I was just like, yeah, just a bit... And Mike felt the same. We got so like, apart from the beer's really good there, so... But then we did Dry January together so it got so boring for both of us. Um... But we did have a job to do, and it was to finish the record, which...
0: Yeah, I guess that's quite a good tactic, actually. You go somewhere you don't enjoy that much, so then the studio yeah. really is the best option. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And do you think, as a band, you see royal blood going on for years and years to come?
1: Don't know. I think, for this moment, we are absolutely having the time of our lives, so until we go, you know what, this isn't feeling right anymore, we'll, you know, we'll do what feels best... But I think there's, it's like, there's no pressure about it. I think it's like a girlfriend. It's like, well, where do you see us in six years? And I'm like, I don't know, or whatever. It's like, just see how things go. If it doesn't feel good in those, I think it's when they, you put pressure on on those things is when you it can fall apart sometimes.
0: So it's just about going with the flow. Do you ever find it? I get it where like You're going to a function of some sort Say it's a wedding or an event And like six months in advance They're like What do you want for dinner? Here are the options I, I, don't, fuck, yeah. I don't know what I want <laughs> for dinner tonight This is yeah. painful yeah. I don't know That's it, yeah I know That's really nice though It's just, you know Do you feel like you will always be doing something musical though? Yeah, I think so no, You can't I think... escape
1: that No um, But yeah, I don't know what that would be in Or I love drumming So working with other people would be great and doing that. And I love being in the studio. And there'll there'll probably be a time where I want to be at home for a bit. You know, being on tour all this time, it's nice to change things up. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll just see how things go.
0: That's brilliant, what
1: we've just done. Thank
0: you for doing this, man. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Sorry that I've commandeered your... That's good. Your space.
1: I had nothing else to
0: do today. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for that, Ben. Lovely way to end a podcast. Um... Yes. No, thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. I really did appreciate it. And it was a brilliant chat. So thank you. And thank you to all of you that are here listening to the podcast. It means a lot to me. Um, Yeah. If you enjoyed this one, why not go back and listen to some of the others that you might have missed? They're all as interesting as the one that came before. I promise. Um, as always, a huge thank you to Warren Borg, editing extraordinaire, and Ocean Griffin for putting the podcast visuals together. Um, to Josh Sanger and the Clota Artist team, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, and, yeah, to all of you guys, all that's left to say is keep on smiling. Don't go changing. Have a lovely day, um, whatever you're doing, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Turn your distractions off and discover your new favorite podcast. This
0: is Bose Recommends.
1: Hi guys, I'm Nat Coombs from the NFL show with Nat Coombs. Yep, that was a title that took us hours to come up with. We're thrilled to be involved with Bose Recommends because frankly, we are having a great time making this show. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday and the clue is very much in the title. We're all about the NFL. I'm joined each episode by terrific guests from both sides of the pond players past and present journalists comedians writers you name it if they love nfl they're in so what are you waiting for get involved acast itunes all your favorite podcatchers it'll be good to have you with us enjoy your new favorite podcast without distractions discover how at bose.co.uk bose focus on